Hey there, thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker Podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Burke Allen here from Washington, D.C., and thank you so much for listening to the Big Time Talker Podcast, a service of Speaker Match, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. So if you're a speaker or maybe you're a meeting planner and you're trying to figure out how to do presentations in the time of shutdowns in the pandemic, visit speakermatch.com and uh, you can get lots of free resources there. Thank them very much for sponsoring our Big Time Talker podcast. And speaking of speakers, we're talking to a lady that that knows of what she speaks. Rena Cook joins us, and she is uh, one of the country's uh, premier voice coaches and voice trainers, and we've got some interesting things to ask her in lieu of what's happening with everybody out there right now. Hello, Rena. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Burke. It's good to talk to you. Well, it's good to talk to you too, although I'm a little intimidated to talk to a professional talker because that's, that's what you do and you teach other people how to do it. By the way, I should mention Rena's website is myvocalauthority.com. So how does one become a vocal authority and, and a vocal coach? And, and who do you coach? Because most of us can talk by the age of one and a half. Right. Um, well, let me tell you how I got to be this, and then I will tell you who. Uh, I started life as a singer, actor, dancer. So I was using my voice to perform, and then I discovered teaching, and I became an acting teacher. I taught high school drama and then went on to get another degree and ended up teaching actors in college. Well, I discovered about midway through my acting training career that if the voice is not working, nothing else works. So I quit my job, and I went to London to get a degree in voice training. If I was going to be obsessed with voice, I wanted to know everything that I could possibly know about it. And so I came back from London, uh, a teacher reborn. And my focus ever since has been on voice and initially training actors to use their voice. About five years ago, I got a calling, you know, a tug on my heart that I needed to share that skill set with a wider audience. So now through my business, I coach attorneys, CEOs, sales teams, teachers, clergies, anybody who wants to use their voice in more authentic and compelling ways. I even coach politicians, uh, people running for office, particularly women running for office. And I should mention that Rena also is a published author. Her book, Empower Your Voice for Women in Business, Politics, and Life, is available now in Voice and the Young Actor. And I, I wanted to talk to you about uh, what's happening in in communication now that so many of us have to wear masks uh, when we head out in public. That's got to just blow a hole in everything for you. And I wonder if, if there's anything you can do to be better heard or communicate better when more than half your face is covered up. Right. It it feels like a huge obstacle. And, and it is a huge obstacle. And what we instinctively do is to kind of cower behind it. We speak a little less loud. We use our mouth a little less. Our, our eyes kind of die because we have this thing that we're battling. And what I encourage people to do is to use the mouth more vigorously than you think is necessary. And, and I have a series of warm-ups that I teach my clients to get the mouth ready to really do a more vigorous job. I encourage people to use their face more 
use facial expressions more, kind of let the eyes light up and then bring the body into it, body uh, gestures and body language. If you think about two people communicating and they speak different languages and neither speaks the other's language, if you look at communication, it's, it's louder it's more vigorous, it's more animated on the face, it's more animated in the body. And that's what you need to bring to communication when you're speaking from behind a mask. It's got to be um, counterintuitive, as you said, because if folks tend to shrink back, what you really need to do is be much more expressive. And And I've noticed that myself as I head out to the grocery store, that eye contact is so huge. And, and using gestures with your hands to be able to just get your point mm-hmm. across makes a, a huge difference. Absolutely it does. And and the way to get ready for that is a, a little bit of a warm-up. You know, singers warm up, piano players warm up, baseball pitchers warm up. You have to prepare the body for the task at hand. So you release some physical tension, you move the lips, you move the tongue, you release the jaw, um, you shake out the body a little bit so that it's just more ready to do the job for you. Rena Cook is our guest today from MyVocalAuthority.com, MyVocalAuthority.com. She spent her whole life working in voice and teaching actors and attorneys and business people how to communicate better. And now we've got these new communications challenges uh, because of the global pandemic. And, and Rena, forgive me, I should have asked you, I hope that, that you and everyone in, in your world is staying safe and healthy. Everybody okay? Thank you for asking. And yes, thankfully we are. Um, We're following all the protocols. We're being safe. We're quarantining at home and wearing masks when we have to go out in public. And so things here and in Tulsa, by and large, things are a lot better than they are in other parts of the country. Thank you for asking. I hope the same for you and your family. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. And, And you and I have something in common in that you're from a state, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where folks tend to have a very thick vocal cadence and accent. I grew up in southern West Virginia uh, where we had a, a very thick Appalachian accent. And I was told very early in my broadcasting career, look, if you ever want to work outside West Virginia or eastern Kentucky, you've got to really practice to get rid of that Appalachian accent. If you want to stay here, you'll be just fine because you're a fish right? swimming in that pool. Uh, so, you know, I would practice over and over again. My my program director at my first radio station it gave me a three-word tag for a commercial, and it was at participating Wendy's for the hamburger place. And in the beginning, uh-huh. Rena, I, I said, at participating Wendy's. Um, <laughs> right, of course so, you did. <laughs> you know, you gotta you got to work on that. And I wonder uh-huh. if it's difficult for you living in Oklahoma to not slip back into those vocal patterns. Hmm. Now, that's a really good question. Um, when I am speaking with a group of people from either West Texas or um, from Oklahoma, and, and they've got it going, you know, I'll find myself just kind of falling into it. <laughs> but it's just when when I'm around it. And it's appropriate, you know, if you're relaxed and you're joking and so on, it'll it'll come into my speech. But that's not the way I typically talk. It's not intuitive for me. So when I go back into professional situations, then I just revert to my general American dialect, which is really the way I talk. Um, I noticed that when I was living in London for that year. You know, you you think that you're going to, oh, my goodness, I'm going to come out talking, you know, all British and all. But but you don't. 
<laughs> you know, you may slide into it if someone is influencing you right in your ear. But the way we talk is the way we talk. Um, I do some dialect neutralization or dialect clarification with people for whom their dialect is an issue is a professional issue, and I can help them clarify it so that people who don't speak that dialect can understand what they're saying. But I don't ever promote that the way you talk is wrong or substandard and that you need to change it in order to be better. You know, it's like the way you talk is wonderful. I can help you clarify that when you need to. I remember the old television commercial, and by the way, we're talking with uh, Rena Cook from MyVocalAuthority.com, the old TV commercial for Hooked on Phonics, and they said, people judge you by the words you use. And I think uh, fairly or unfairly, that's very much the case. So is that why people hire you, because they feel like they're being judged by the way they communicate? Well, certainly that's part of the impulse. Um I, I think that opinions are formed by the way we talk, but to take on the opinion that I am inferior to is really damaging to the self-esteem. What I teach is I can teach you another dialect, and that other dialect is general American. And that dialect will serve you in certain situations, in professional situations where it's required. Do, do you see that it's a it's a distinction? It's a subtle distinction. Um, and people come to me to learn the general American dialect to use in professional settings. I, and I think that makes all the sense in the world. I, I will tell you that as a young West Virginia boy, I've, I've met other West Virginians now in the, in the last three decades in business who are scattered all over the country. And sometimes they use uh, that that Appalachian accent, that hillbilly accent, if you will, to their advantage because other folks may judge them harshly and think, oh, he's just fell off the turnip truck and he's a, you know, a West Virginia <laughs> right. boy. And, and so, right. you know, they're able to kind of get in there. And, and since people, have, you know, they are dismissive of them because of their language, it has nothing to do with, with your intelligence or your, your sense right. of worth. Um, hey, yeah, I've got another great question for you, Arena. And, yeah, and, go ahead. And, and that has to do with the way that, for example, you and I are communicating now. Everyone in the, in the pandemic world is communicating on the telephone. Uh, or on a Zoom call. And I wonder right. if if the way you coach people to speak uh, changes if they're doing it on, on video, on Zoom, for example. Absolutely. Our instinct when we're sitting in a chair on a Zoom call is to settle back and be really comfortable. I'm going to demonstrate that now. You can't see it, but you'll be able to hear it in my voice. I'm just kind of sitting back at my desk here and relaxing, and my neck is kind of forward, and my belly is kind of crunched over, and my voice has changed. It's become less than. But if I sit up nice and straight, keep long back of neck, and I'm accessing my breath, my voice becomes dynamic again and more resonant. Did you, you could hear the transition, right? By all means. So I encourage people to sit up nice and straight or stand up, put the computer high enough so that you can stand up. And most of our conversation today, I've been standing up because I can access my full voice and my full breath when I'm standing. 
Um, I also suggest that you be very clear on Zoom. It's like speaking through a mask. You know, we think that, well, well, we're just talking right here on the screen or I'm just talking to you right here on the phone. And so I can just be my casual, relaxed self, right? But if I'm in a professional situation, I want to bring a bit more of my voice to the task. So I use the voice a bit more energetically. I use the articulators. I engage my breath. I keep my eyes alive and alert so that my face is reflecting what it is that I'm feeling that I want you to feel too. Rena Cook is our guest today from MyVocalAuthority.com. She's given us great tips on how to maximize your voice use uh, in this time where we're using it very differently behind masks or, or on Zoom or on the telephone. What about blowing out your voice? Uh, you know, now many of us wind up talking way more than we would have previously ah. because we're separated from one another. So how do you, yes. how do you keep from, you know, maybe not permanently damaging your voice, maybe you could, but but certainly from, from you know, just blowing it out in the day. Well, vocal, vocal fatigue is very real. And if I'm talking a lot and seated, I'm not using the voice in, in a healthy way. If I, you know, if I keep the back of my neck long and I keep space in my mouth and I keep breath support underneath my sound, I can talk all day and never fatigue. But if I let myself sit back on my voice kind of like this and go into what we call vocal fry, you know, there are a lot of women especially who speak in vocal fry. And if I allow myself to do that for hours on end, I am going to be tired vocally tired. It puts a strain on the vocal folds. They swell, they get inflamed, and they're not happy. But if I use them properly, breathing, keeping space in my mouth, keeping a long back of my neck, I can speak at a normal volume that's loud enough for anybody to hear and never fatigue myself. Hey, Rena, we work with lots of, of singers in my company and, and entertainers, and I wonder if you have any advice for those folks who use their voices professionally all the time to avoid uh, vocal damage. If you're singing uh, night after night, uh, you know, how do you right. get in front of that? Well, you have to stay in front of it, and that's, that's the key. Um, warming up is crucial so that the voice is ready to go. And if that's as simple as humming a few notes up and down the scale or doing open vowels, oohs, ahs, ees, and just vocalizing up and down the pitch range, exercising the breath, keeping space, as I mentioned earlier, in the back of the throat. Rock and roll singers are especially prone to damaging the voice because that's the sound that we want to hear is that damaged sound. So you can, by getting a lot of vocal rest when you're not singing, a lot of hydration, you know, water, keeping the vocal folds hydrated and warming up and just being aware of how you're using your voice. I can feel in my vocal folds the minute I've gone to a place that's damaging for them. And when I do that, I make an adjustment in my neck. I lengthen the back of my neck, make more space in my mouth and increase breath support so that I can create the sound that I want without it completely damaging the vocal folds. 
So our guest, Rena Cook, uh, really knows her stuff. The website is myvocalauthority.com. She holds a master's in voice studies. Who knew there was such a thing from London's know, Royal right? Central School of Speech and Drama? Um, and and I wonder if, if, as you look back on this long career as as you know one of America's preeminent voice people, if if there are voices that you hear and you're just drawn to, and you go, "Man, I could just listen to that voice." All day long. I know uh, I have a lady friend that loves uh, actor Sam Elliott. She said, you know, I, oh I don't care what God, he looks yeah. like. I just want to hear him talk. You know? Are there right? great voices out there that you just dig? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think about, say, an Oprah Winfrey. Her voice comes to my mind. Um, I think of Michelle Obama, which, you know, they're, they're current in our world and we hear them. Um, the resonant voices. Um there are many actors and actresses who see I'm, Jessica Lang, Jessica Lang uses her voice really well. Carrie Washington, when she was doing Scandal, the character that she played in Scandal. Oh, my goodness. What, you know, what beautiful sounds and the sounds that we love to listen to are resonant sounds, meaning there's a lot of space in the mouth in the throat and a lot of breast support and those things together create voices that are warm that are easy to listen to that are commanding and leader like the voices that we repel from or or laugh at and find humorous um, they usually are strident right? There's, there's no space in the mouth. When I go into a strident sound, I've clamped down on the space and it's like the um, Edith Bunker sound. Oh, Archie, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and we love those sounds because they're fun and funny and human and vulnerable. Um, so all voices are good voices. It's just some we love to listen to because they affect our body in a positive way. And some we don't love to listen to, but enjoy and laugh at or laugh with maybe a better way to say it. So all voices are valuable. It's just some are more resonant and healthy than others. Hey, Rio, why do you think people are so uncomfortable with hearing their own voice in a recording? I, I oh. work with people and, and it just makes them crazy. They don't want to listen back. Well, because we don't really know how we sound. We have an impression of how we sound because we hear ourselves inside the cathedral of our own head. When we hear ourselves in a recording, it's taken outside of our own cathedral and we're hearing how the world really hears our voice. And so there's often a disconnect between how I think I sound and how I really sound. And so getting used to hearing it is a must for a professional voice user or a singer. You know, it's like, just get over it. Listen to it enough so that you're objective. And yes, this is how you sound. And you sound to yourself different. We're always going to sound better to ourselves than we do on a recording. Uh, Rita Cook is our guest today from MyVocalAuthority.com. And did you say the cathedral of your own head? Yeah. I think I may have a, a double wide of my own head. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a different thing. Um, are, there, are there people out there that uh, cannot get 
a, a different quality to their voice? You know, are there folks that come to you and say, look, I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with the way that I do this or the way that I speak, and, and you can't make any headway at all? In other words, are we, are we somewhat tethered to what God gave us, or can it be well, changed? certainly there's an amount of voice that is God-given. And certainly if we've had an illness or an injury that has somehow injured our apparatus, there's not a lot we can do at that point. However, a great deal of our voice is just muscle memory. It's how we've gotten used to using it. So barring illness or accident, I can help almost anybody affect a change in their voice. I can move it forward if they're willing to practice you know, and change muscle memory. It's how you use your muscles. And uh, and we just find a different way to use it. It's like the Edith Bunker character. She just has an oral setup. There's a way her mouth is and the way her soft palate and her nasal cavities are that make that sound. But I can show how to open, release, relax, place the sound in a different place, use the breath in a different way to affect a change. So anyone can change, barring, as I said, illness or accident that inhibits that change. Rena Cook is our guest today. You should check her out at myvocalauthority.com and look for a TEDx talk online as well on YouTube. Uh, we're talking to her about your voice in the time of corona, uh, care and development of your professional voice. And and I'm sure there are folks that are listening right now that are going, you know, this all sounds great, but... It's really no big deal. Do I really need that? And what would you say to that person that says, eh, you know, I'm fine. It'll all be fine. Then it will be fine. You know, if your voice is not an issue and it's not causing you any pain or holding you back in professional situations or social situations, why put in the effort? I get that. And that's totally fine. But if the voice is causing you an issue, if you're not getting the promotion or you're not making the sales or you're not winning the cases or you're not winning voters and someone has said, you know, your voice might be the issue, then it's time to look at possibly voice training to affect a change. But if it's not bothering you, why? What's the you know, delineation? Why, why go to the trouble? Rena, what's the delineation uh, in your mind in terms of uh, what people say and how they say it? Which is more is one more important than the other? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Absolutely. What you say matters very little. How you say it matters a whole heck of a lot. People don't remember stats and statistics and facts and dates. They don't remember the specific words you choose. They remember how you made them feel. And so how you say what you say is what impacts people's feelings. They remember you because of how, they, how you made them feel. That's interesting. I'm, I'm marinating on that in my head right now. So uh, they really do have uh, separate but complementary uh, importance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Many of the attorneys that I coach spend hours and hours, days, weeks writing um, openings or closings and then just expecting the voice to come along when they get up to deliver. 
And unless you know when to speed up, when to slow down, when the pitch needs to go up, when the pitch needs to drop, when you need to pause, you know, those are things that a few people kind of intuitively know. They're natural storytellers. Many of us just don't know those things and we're not born with that skill. And so it takes as much time to learn how to deliver as what to deliver. Rena Cook is our guest today. The website is myvocalauthority.com. It's interesting you talked about attorneys and, and powerful people. And I wonder if if you run into situations, because I know this certainly fits for me, where um, people come to you and they say, hey, Rena, I do okay except when I have to talk to someone that – I think is has authority over me, someone who's very important. And then I tend to fumble over my words and right. I get very meek and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. do you ever hear from people that, that have that challenge? Absolutely. That's certainly a challenge for many women that I coach. And it's simply performance anxiety. And performance anxiety for each of us sets in in different scenarios in our lives. The person you described is in the presence of authority. My performance anxiety kicks in. And that's simply the fight or flight response. You know, all performance anxiety is the fight or flight response. And there are techniques that you can follow, exercises you can do, mental practices that you can do that will help you tame performance anxiety so that when you are in the presence of the stimulus that makes you nervous and causes your brain to shut down, you can counteract that. The primary tool is slow, deep breathing. The slow, deep breathing is the only volitional tool that you have to change that chemical response that kicks off when you're when you're uncomfortable or when you're nervous or when you're intimidated. And you can control that through slow, deep breathing. It reverses that chemical response. So in other words, if if you're in a meeting with someone and maybe it's the meeting's gone a little bit off the rails and it's gotten a little uh, heated rather than lash back immediately and spew forth. There really is something to taking that deep breath and regulating the way you respond. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is chemical. The slow, deep breathing alters the stress chemicals, the cortisol and the adrenaline that pumps when you get irritated, agitated, or triggered. If I don't want to respond to that and I want to do a measured response where I am in my body and my brain and my mouth are engaging together, I take a few moments to slow, deep breathe. And because I practice slow, deep breathing as part of my everyday routine, I just have to think release and my belly releases and the new breath comes in and I'm ready to re-engage. But that, that comes with practice. You talked about, and just sort of mentioned it briefly, I wanted to touch back on it, that that a lot of women find this as a challenge. And I wonder how your work with women is different than your work with men and and what you do to help empower women who may have issues with the way they speak. Mm, That's a really good question. Um, With both genders, the voice work is the voice work. 
You know, the voice works the same for both genders. The vocal folds are shaped a little differently, of course, and the resonating chambers are shaped differently. But essentially, the way we use it is the same. So the exercises are the same. When I'm coaching men who who are intimidated, um, I use the same kind of language. It's the same exercises. If you have performance anxiety, regardless of gender, these are the things that you can do that will help that. Um, I have both men and women who have the reverse issue, who are who say they come on too strong or who are told they come on too strong. Well, then we have to use breath and use the body in a different way to relax the effort so that they don't lose power, but they don't push their power. Uh, but with women who are particularly um, feel like they want to empower themselves more in the workplace or in social or personal relationships, we work on things like breath. We work on things like releasing tension in the body and on controlling negative mental messages. And there's a whole process for retraining your brain to believe different truths. Um the whole thing is just, it's fascinating. And I'm a voice guy, of course. I've been a broadcaster for many years, but the, you've taken the real deep dive into this. It's really interesting. Rena Cook, our guest today, we're almost out of time. Your voice in the time of Corona, uh, care and <laughs> development of, of your professional voice. I, I love the concept. I do want to ask you before you jump how uh, dealing with this pandemic it may have changed the way that you work, because I would assume you do an awful lot of in-person training with attorneys and politicians and a lot of speaking at, at workshops, that sort of thing. You're like everybody else. You're, you're unable to do that. You're staying at home for the most mm-hmm. part. How has that right. impacted your work with other people or, or can you still work with other people on, on vocal stuff? Well, of course, I still work with people. We work virtually on Zoom. It's not the same as being in the room, you know, because this is all about reading the whole body all the time. But I can get a lot from watching someone on Zoom. And uh, I coach several clients a day. Um, I'm looking at them through my screen. They're watching me through theirs. And I'm getting better and better at at reading the body, reading the sound, and reading the signals uh, just through the virtual environment. So I'm doing more and more of that and offering seminars and, you know, figuring out how I can have people in a group practice their sound. You know, I say, now, everybody, turn off your um, your microphone. And if this is embarrassing, turn off your video as well. Now try this and see what you think. And then they come back to me and say, well, that made it easier or that sounded smoother or whatever. You know, we can affect a change in the voice and the body in the virtual environment, which is really great news. That is great news. And, and I love your tips, by the way, on, on how to communicate from behind the mask and, and to be counterintuitive rather than to shrink back to be more expressive. All right. The Rena Cook Library includes her voice in law, Empower Your Voice, Voice in the Young Actor, Breath in Action. If you need help with your voice, if you've ever been told that might be holding you back, visit my friend Rena at myvocalauthority.com. This has been a fascinating discussion. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Oh, I've enjoyed it so much, Burke. Thank you.
It's my pleasure. Rena Cook from MyVocalAuthority.com. Hey, wherever you are, whatever you do, please stay safe and healthy. Thanks to our friends at Speaker Match, SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest virtual online speakers bureau. More of the big time talker podcast tomorrow. And remember, you can always just ask Alexa, say, hey, play uh, the big time talker podcast with Burke Allen. And magically, I'll come out of that little dot on your kitchen cabinet. I'd love that. You can also subscribe at Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. Go out and make it a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody.